can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul, when his blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in his precious blood, my sin to atone, and I started singing, heaven's my home, heaven's my home, and I'm going there. Oh my, I'm always interested in how God leads in preaching from week to week. I do not have, you'll not hear me often do series. Once in a while I get led to do a series, but you'll not hear me often do those. Just not been led that way. Other people may be, and that's good. God does differently. But he usually just week by week gives me messages, sometimes in the night, sometimes driving the vehicle, sometimes all kinds of places I get them. And I just try to follow on. When I first started preaching full time, I had been assistant pastor for 12 years and had preached quite a bit in a lot of different places. And then when I became full-time senior pastor here in 1992, 25, 26 years ago now, um, I was responsible to preach at that time five times a week. Now, five messages a week is big for anybody. Um, And I went to God and said, well, I have about six months worth of preaching and I'm done. That's it. I'm out of material. Everything I know, I can preach in six months. And, uh, you know, I sat up at the pulpit many times waiting. And we'd, at that time, and over in the other building, I'd be over there waiting to get up to preach and thinking, what am I doing here? This is the craziest thing I have ever experienced in my whole life. I have no business being here. And then God would say, except I want you to. And then, uh, can you believe here we are all down the road and I still have material I haven't done? Because their God came. Today, I believe God has come. I don't know why he gathered you here today. But for some reason, he wants you to hear. You've come maybe to visit someone. You're here this morning. You've never, you haven't been to gospel in years, maybe. Maybe never. A whole row there. And for some reason, God had you come today. I would take that seriously. Because I take what I do very seriously when I see God's face on what to preach. I don't think it's just, it's not a schedule, it's not a man-made thing, it's I really want it to be from heaven. Listen, I want to come this morning, and I want to hear from heaven. I hope you do too. And uh, I already thought I heard from heaven when I reached my pocket and saw that gospel track. And I was hoping it was from Gospel Baptist Church, and it was. I had somebody from Fort Myers, Alva. I don't know if you know where Alva is, but Alva's way up there. A guy from Alva got a hold of me and said, I went to a store in North Fort Myers and bought a suit, looked in the pocket, and there was a, there was a track in there from Gospel Baptist Church. I said, we have a wide range. We go 30 miles north. I don't know how. I had a person call me from Tennessee and said, I went to buy gas, and where the credit card usually goes, there was a little piece of a little, a little credit card, and I said, Gospel Baptist Church, I thought I wanted to call you. I said, we're all the way up to Tennessee. Someday, 
every person who's ever lived will stand before God. That's a sobering thought. It doesn't make any difference what you feel. It doesn't make any difference whether you like that or you don't like that. It really doesn't make any difference whether you believe that or don't believe that. I mean, it'll make a difference to you. But, the, but God's going to do what God is going to do. And there is a truth. And it's absolute. And you're going to come up against that truth someday, one way or another. You're going to come up against the truth that there is a God that has made you. And that God that made you expects things from you and of you. Now, you can ignore that your whole time here on earth as much as you possibly can. You stick your head in the sand, try to pretend, try to call yourself an agnostic or an atheist or something, but there's God's all over. He's everywhere. He's all over the place. He's showing himself to you through the nature and the things he made. He's showing himself to you through the stars at night. He's showing himself all over the place. He's screaming, I'm here! The God that you're going to stand before, and some of you may not know this, his name is Jesus Christ. It's not Allah, it's not Muhammad, it's not Buddha, it's not Confucius. It's going to be Jesus Christ. When Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? Matthew 16. Uh, Peter, you know, Peter, you have to love the guy. He speaks and thinks. Most of us think and speak. Or maybe some of us think and speak. But he would speak and think. And he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, ooh, Peter, uh, you didn't get this from yourself. The Holy Spirit showed you this. There are people that are actually bold enough to say that Jesus never called himself the Son of God. The centurions called him the Son of God. The Pharisees called him the Son of God. His disciples called him the Son of God. The demons called him the Son of God. The people that he tried said, are you the Son of God? And he said, thou sayest. That's a Jewish idiom for me. That's right. If you say Bill, if, if, if Irvine comes up and says Bill, and I say yes, and, and uh, Charlie comes up and says Bill, and I say yes, and, and Bristol Knott comes up and says Bill, and I say yes, it could be said that I never called myself Bill. But what's my name? When I said yes, 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 I agreed my name is Bill. Jesus Christ accepted the title as the Son of God in totality. Deity manifests in the flesh, Colossians 1.9. 2.9, excuse me. The, the Bible says in John 5.22, For the Father judgeth no man, but committed all judgment unto the Son. There's a group of people, there's, two, there's only two groups of people in the world. You say, Brother Bill, there is, according to sociology, there's at least three different races. That's true. But there's only... In the Bible, there's only two groups of people. There's only the saved group, those who have been born into the family of God, names written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and those who have not. That's the only two groups there are. And there's only two places for those two groups to go. The one group goes to be with Christ. Wherever he is, we get to go there. 
I call it, the Bible calls it heaven. There's people out there deny we're going to heaven. We're going to heaven because that's where Jesus is. But the absent from the body is to be where? Present with the Lord. Where's the Lord? He's on the right hand of the Father on high. Where's that? It's in heaven. Then there's that group that has ignored him and said they don't want him and maybe even despised him. And, and Jesus in John chapter 3, don't you, don't you try to let off the unsaved too easily. According to John chapter 3, Jesus' own words said they hate it, they hate the light. They don't just not like the light. They hate the light and they don't want to come to the light because their deeds are evil and they'll be revealed by the light and they don't want those deeds revealed. Consequently, they hate it and they speak against it. Read John chapter 3, verse 16 through 21. That's what it says. So it's not passive necessarily as it is aggressive. But one group who've trusted Christ get to be with him in heaven because their sins have been forgiven and taken away by his shed blood. Wow. The other group, has to they have to answer for their sins. That's those things which they knew they did and things that they didn't know they did. Both sins of ignorance as well as sins, they say, sins of omission and sins of commission. Sins that they knew they did and sins they didn't know they did. I may not know I'm speeding, but that doesn't make any difference when the blue lights come on and a guy pulls me over and says, you were going 15 over. Here's a gift for Christmas, $185 ticket. Oh, by the way, you get to go four hours of school. Oh, thank you. Merry Christmas. I can say I was ignorant, ignorant, ignorant. It won't make any difference. You'll stand before God someday. Everybody in my hearing of my voice, this goes over the internet, goes literally around the world. People all over in all kinds of different countries listen to these sermons. Hopefully they speak English. But I'll tell you what, it's amazing how many people I talk to door to door and house to house and in life that do not seem like they understand the gravity of the moment. Take your Bibles to Revelation. This is not our text, but Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. All I ask of you this morning is that you would give me a hearing. Give me a hearing. That's all I ask of you. Before you shut your mind off and say, well, I don't believe in that or I have reasons not to believe in that, would you just give me a hearing? And say, if it's possible in the realm of possibility that what he's saying is true, I believe it is. Revelation 20, verse 11 says, I saw a great white throne, him that sat on it, from whom the face, uh, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And see, gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to his works. So you can say at this judgment, everybody at this judgment is being judged by their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. No sane person, no sane person can read this passage with unconcern and lightheartedness. 
when I was a young man and first began to meander through the Bible, at least get the Bible and read some of the New Testament, I think always start in the New Testament, no doubt. And I had a little New Testament that I read in, and it was given to me, and I would read passages here and there, and I'd come across this passage, man, it got my attention. Imagine with me, just for a moment here, this, this, this scene that's described in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. There's a massive group of people, angels and creatures in heaven gathered together. On the scale that's been never witnessed before in the universe and surely never been witnessed before by any human. You are asked to follow, and I say asked, but you're asked with uh, you will do it, uh, to follow a strong angel dressed in white, a young man-looking person. He leads you through thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Each of these people, as you look at them, have, have somewhat of a desperate look upon their face and a worried and concerned attitude. Some of them mumbling, some crying. You finally, you finally come to a large open area, and the pavement there is pure gold. You hear names being called and people going up and being addressed by this great white throne is the only way you could describe it. Just a great white throne. And the one is sitting upon that throne. And you know his name to be Jesus Christ. And you're beginning to think your mind's beginning to go and race. You've witnessed others. You're personally petrified at this moment. Petrified to the bone. You're thinking about what answers you're going you're, you're to need and, and what alibis. You're trying to come up with alibis and answers of why you had very little to do with Jesus Christ or maybe even denied him. Or maybe uh, churches were all around where you live and you drove by Bible-believing, preaching places but really never got involved or never be, or wanted to be part of it. For one reason, you knew a bad deacon, a bad preacher, a bad usher, a bad this, and that kept you from, from really investigating further death came when it was least expected, and you were taken. And now nobody asks you what you want to do. Your freedom's gone. Your mind races. You remember the horrible things you've said and done, and, and, and if I may say enjoyed, you know, a lot of times I'll call people and I'll say, I'd like to meet you in my office to talk to you. When I call you, what's the first thing that begins to come to your mind and ask you to meet me in my office? Now, pastor's never called me and asked me to meet me in my office, but he called me this week and he asked to meet in my office. I'm just an innocent, sweet guy. I'm not innocent. Let me take that back. I'm innocent in the, under the blood of Christ. Otherwise, old sinner, save a grace, old junkyard dog of the 60s. And I call you in this church setting, and I ask, Brother Irvine, I want to meet with you on Monday. And, I, and, and right away, everybody's reviewing all the bad stuff he's ever said about me. <laughs> of course, that's a short list. All right, he's thinking, I wonder if he heard, I wonder if that, I wonder if so-and-so said. I wonder, you know, and, and your conscience begins to go, now imagine at the great white throne. You're standing to go, you're in lines of some sort, and you're getting ready to stand before the creator of the universe. His name's Jesus Christ. You know who he is. You see what's going on. 
you know you're going to be thinking, oh, hi. You're going to, first of all, you're going to be wishing a lot. I wish I'd have went to church more. I wish I'd have read my Bible more. I wish I'd have given more. I wish I'd have told my neighbors. I wish I'd have did. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. Just here, it's the way we are. You remember using Jesus Christ's name in vain. You remember laughing about him, joking about him being the illegitimate son of a Roman soldier when somebody came up with the idea of a virgin birth. You, you remember at times mocking Christians as, as mentally disabled for following a book and, and, and uh, ordering their life after a 3,500-year-old book. What kind of people are they? Like getting hit in the head with a brick, all of a sudden you hear your name. Now, out of a big crowd here, I can call somebody's name and it's just like getting hit almost. Mel DeMont. Now, nobody reacts like Mel because when Mel hears his name, that's a, that's a special thing. Your name's special to you. God's going to call this group before the great white throne. God's going to call their names out. This, the voice is formal and cold. The angel takes you by the arm and leads you to the very front of the, and to stand before this throne, who you know to be Jesus Christ. But you're not allowed to speak. First, the books are open. Let's put it in our language. The database file is opened. Let me say this. If we can use computers, what do you think God uses? People that have gotten in near-death experiences have told me, just as they thought they were getting ready to die, uh, that their whole life flashed before their eyes. That they literally, in a matter of a second or two, events that happened from their early childhood all the way went right before their eyes. And, they, and they, were, they told me this. I've heard this too many times not to be. And it's the ability of the brain to compute. People say, how in the world can this many people be judged? Because God can do crazy things with time. He can compress it. Who would have believed 50 years ago that your watch can do what it does. Nobody would have. The Bible says the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the events of your life, if you have not, if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, and if you're not born again, your event, the events of your life will be super speed, fast-forwarded, but one at a time will be brought to your attention. In a few minutes, possibly, the whole life reviewed, even the things you whispered in secret. The person standing before God now is numb. Emotional pain and anguish have gripped them, and sorrow has overcome them. They fall, not planned, but responsive to the grief and the sorrow of their life being reviewed and obviously condemned, they fall on their face on that gold pavement and cry without even thinking about it, Jesus, you are Lord. Doesn't the Bible say that's going to happen? Every mouth shall confess. Philippians. Search is made for their name. It's obviously by what's been brought up, they're guilty before God in a hundreds of hundreds of ways. 
and their name is called. And, and they, is, does his name appear? And for a few brief seconds, they search for his name. No, his name does not appear. Her name does not appear. We're imagining now. We're imagining. The angel grabs this person by the arm, takes him over to a door. As they get close to the door, they can hear the screams of people. But an agony that they've never heard quite at that pitch. The doors quickly open, and before they know it, they're airbound. They're in the air, falling below them as a looks like a lake of fire. They think, "Oh, good! In a minute, it'll be over." They hit, and instead of being over, pain engulfs them. The thought that they'll be there forever and ever and ever keeps rolling over their mind. They go crazy but they can't become unconscious. They want to become unconscious. They would. They somehow want to black it out, but cannot. Now, you know, we're just imagining this. But I can tell you that that's pretty close to what's going to happen based on Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. Is that not what you read? Now you can say, Brother Bill, I don't believe in the doctrine of, of eternal punishment called hell. I just don't believe in it. I deny it is going to happen. You may even come up with arguments and you say God is simply too loving to do this. Or you may say I'm not so bad as other people. I don't deserve that. But I can tell you, after Pouring over the word of God for over 45 years, I can tell you, I will guarantee you that your reasonings will not change what's true. It will not help. It will not go away because you don't like it. It's been said that the denial of hell won't change its temperature one degree Fahrenheit if you're in this in America. Centigrade if you're in Europe. Hell, I say this unequivocally. Hell is as real as Jesus Christ. It's as real as the Bible. If there is no hell, there is no Jesus Christ. If there is no hell, the Bible, not a word of the Bible is true. There is no eternity. Hell is as inevitable as facing God. Everybody that ever has been born and ever has been considered alive will someday stand before God. They are going to stand before Jesus Christ, the Bible specifically says, who is God. The saved will stand before him and their works will be reviewed. But their souls will be saved. Some people... All their works are going to be burned up, and they'll be saved, the Bible says, as of a fire. They're just going to be saved, but there'll be very little reward in heaven. Now, you say, I don't care about that. You will. You will. But the part we're talking about here are the part the folks who miss Jesus. And that's what Gospel Baptist Church and our group spend all their time doing, going out and putting gospel tracts in, 
in clothing and whatever they do is to try to tell people, don't miss Jesus. Okay, you saw some bad preachers. You saw some charlatans. You watched some TV people. You did this, you did it. It doesn't make any difference. They're not going to be there with you. You're going to be by yourself. You and God. Are you ready? In your inner quiet times, you know there's a place that sin has to be judged. I've watched some, at least through the years, of people the families of murder victims, the families of rape victims, the families of horrible crime. And one of the things that's common about it, and your policemen have been for 30 years, is the victims want some justice. Now, folks, if we humanly, when we are trespassed against horribly, have an inner desire for some justice, how much more do you think God, who is pure, must have justice. Sin must be paid for. Jesus Christ and the way he was treated uh, from the Garden of Gethsemane till the resurrection till he died on an old rugged cross was God the Father's opinion of sin. What did he allow his own son to go through? That tells you his opinion of sin. He hates it. Why? Because it's destructive. It's the most destructive force in the entire universe. It's look at the world today. Look at the hate. Look at the look at the killing. Look at the murder. Look at the it's more than you can bear if you knew it all. That's caused by sin. And God's Son came so that you could have forgiveness of sin and have a place with Him for eternity. But you can't be there on your own righteousness. And this, that was my introduction. That was 20 minutes. Now I'm going to preach. Take your Bibles to the text, Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, verse 30 through 33. And chapter divisions were added in the Bible uh, later. They were not originally in there. You, in the Hebrew scriptures, uh, still do not have... Uh, divisions like that. But they were put in there to help us find places. So I'm going to read through Romans chapter 10, which is the next chapter, verses 1 through 4. And I'm telling you that because really this is just a continuous thought. What should we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Hello. Why? Because they worshipped the system. Wherefore, why? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by works of the law. They stumbled at, the, at that stumbling stone. So what God's telling us here is there is a stumbling stone between you and heaven. There was a barricade between you and heaven, between every natural man and heaven. And it is that you cannot be saved by your own righteousness. You have to be saved by someone else's righteousness, which is Jesus Christ, provided righteousness. And it cannot be attained by your good works or works at all. It can only be attained by what? Faith. Faith. 
He said, that's the stumbling stone. As it is written, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. How is it that you could stand before God Almighty and not be ashamed when he knows everything you've whispered, every secret thing you've ever done, only maybe you and one other person or you and nobody know about it, but he knows about it. And how could it be possible that you could stand before God? Only if you can stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The only way Bill Lytell is going to be able to stand before God and not be horrified and embarrassed and ashamed is because I'm going to be standing in the righteousness provided for me by Jesus Christ, bought for me by his blood, sealed for me by his resurrection, and given to me through his Holy Spirit. And when I stand there with that, I'm like, wow. Now look in verse 1, which is really a continuation of the thought. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. God wants you to be saved today. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. What does that mean? They missed it. They missed the way. They missed the truth. They missed the light. No, no, notice I didn't say a light, a way, a way, a truth, a light. It's the way, the truth, the light. They missed it. Well, you say, Brother Bill, what about they, all the Islamics? If they, if they stick with it, they're going to miss Jesus. I'm reading about Islam right now, studying about it. And I can tell you from what I've studied already, uh, they don't think very highly of Jesus Christ. Definitely he was not God, and he was not the Son of God. And so they're going to miss him. Or all any, anybody that goes tries to get to heaven any other way, Jesus said, is like a thief and a robber trying to enter in some other way rather than the door. He said, I am the door. You can't be any clearer than that. And John, I am the door. You don't get in another way. You get in by me or you don't get in. Because anybody who tries to climb up another way through another system is going to be considered a thief or robber and ultimately judged for that of their own sin. <clears throat> Verse 2, for I bear them record. These are, the, these are the Jews that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being, and this is, oh my, I hope you mark this, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God? The next verse. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that does what? Works? Works? No. Believes. You say, brother, believe. A five-year-old little child can believe. I was saved at five. I didn't know much, but I knew I was a sinner. By five, I'd already smoked. That's because I had older brothers. But I'd already lied like a dog. Do dogs lie? I don't know, but they seem to. And, and I mean, I had lied. I had smoked. I had, uh, I, you know, I had, I had deceived. Okay, I didn't have any lust problems at that time. I, I was, you know, over that. I wasn't to that yet, I should say. 
That's, that hit me about 12. But add all of those things. But under the blood of God, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. I don't deserve it. I do not deserve it. I am a recipient of it by faith through his mercy and his grace. I hope everybody in the sound of my voice this morning knows what that is. You say, Brother Bill, I've been religious. I've been baptized. I've had communion. I've signed cards. I've done all kinds of religious duties. I've given money. I've, I've, it, we're not talking about that, are we? Those are works of righteousness. There's nothing wrong with doing good things. But it's a sin when you try to put those good things up for your salvation. Because if I can do good works and be saved, then Jesus Christ died in vain. And if you want to insult God the Father, go ahead and insult his son who he gave for you. You, there is a righteousness. Two things we learn from this passage in chapter 9. There is a righteousness based in works. There is also a righteousness that is based in faith. The main stumbling back for people placing their, is placing their simple childlike faith in Jesus Christ's finished work on Calvary and believing in he is Lord of all. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You believe the Bible? If you have enough faith to believe those words and who Jesus is and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner unable to save myself, save me. I believe God can save you from that. He reads your heart. I don't save people. But ignorance is no excuse, folks. Of course, if you're here this morning, you're not ignorant of it at all. God has witnessed us in so many different ways. I believe if we accept the slightest call from God, he'll send another call. And if you keep responding to that call, God will bring you another call. Eventually, he'll bring you to a place where somebody will explain the gospel to you. Or they'll give you a little gospel track in your car. Or they'll put one in your suit. Or they'll put one in your, in your calling card. In other words, God will take the next step and he'll say, this is the way, the truth, and the light. He'll show you who Jesus is. And you keep responding to each little nudge from God. And eventually, he'll come to a place where you repent of your sins and trust Christ as your Savior. And it'll be real. And it'll be from the heart. And God, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, in two places in Corinthians, will come in and make his dwelling in you. And you will stand before God, Jesus Christ. But it will not be at that great white throne. No. I think of in the Garden of Eden, we go back to so many times. Adam and Eve sinned, didn't they? What happened to Adam and Eve after this sin? A lot happened. But one thing for sure is he looked at Eve like he had never looked at her before. He goes, girl, you naked. Now, I know I, it's a mixed crowd. So I can't really go into this the way I think it turned its way out, but he looked at her and she looked at him and goes, what? We are naked? They had been naked. But now they had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
and they said, we're naked. we got to cover ourselves. So immediately the works of righteousness, they went and got some fig leaves or some leaves, you know, and they tried to sew them. The first bikini was invented. And he put a little uh, leaf on, and she put a couple, th- four leaves on. And, and uh, you know, when God came in the, in the cool of the evening, they hid. They said, this, this outfit's way too skimpy to stand before God. I'm showing way too much skin to get before God. And he said, Adam! Adam! Where are you? And of course, you know the story, most of you, that they came before him and they were ashamed. And God, the Bible says, kill an animal, took to skin, and he made the first real piece of good leather clothing. But the blood of an animal had to be shed for it. It was in foreshadow that before sin could be forgiving, there had to be shedding of blood. And before you're ever going to be able to go back with God the way the way Adam and Eve used to be with God before they fell, is you got to go through, you got to be covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's a that's a righteousness that God provides that you don't generate by works of righteousness, but you accept through faith. Just real simple. You just accept it. Brother Bill, I've gone, I've talked to all kinds of people. I've said this over and over. The old stripper years ago, going door to door, she said, I'm, I work at night as a stripper. I've done so many wicked and wrong things, uh, I could never be saved. Man, that's the kind of people Jesus is looking for. People that aren't self-righteous. People that know they're a sinner. There's no question about it. I love to deal with people like that. And I said, oh my, I've come to the right door. Jesus Christ died for you. He shed his blood for you. Will you accept what he has done for you this morning in simple childlike faith? Or will you stumble over the stumbling stone? Come up with 101 reasons why not now. If you knew how long you were going to live and the day you were going to die, that may not be such a bad policy, I suppose. But, you know, you don't know that, do you? You don't know when the death angel is going to show up, tap you on the shoulder and say your name. You will listen. You don't know. And God's kept it that way because he wants you to come now while you have freedom of will. You have absolute freedom this morning to move on this and to trust Christ as your personal Savior. You say, Brother Bill, I got questions. Yeah, man, you can have all kinds of questions, but about this, don't have any question. And God will answer your questions. He'll answer, what about the Bible? Is is it all accurate? All that stuff. And and God will answer all those questions. Before you get in and let those things be a stumbling block to you, trust Him as your personal Savior. The Holy Spirit's here this morning. He's convincing you right now. He's talking to you right now. Been talking to you. He's here. No man cometh to the Father that's a spirit drawing. I know the spirit, I know that it's not God's will that any perish, but all come to repentance. Consequently, I know the spirit's here, and I know the spirit's drawing.
And I don't doubt in my mind there's a number of folks in this room that if you don't do something with Jesus and make it real, you're going to stand at that great white throne. And you may remember that old red-faced Baptist preacher in South Florida that begged you. He begged you not to do it. He begged you to trust Christ and make that decision. Father, we pray this morning, in the name above every name, there be some here without Jesus, that today, they're not without problems, they're not without difficulties, they're not without questions, but they're without Christ as their personal Savior. Jesus said to the educated Nicodemus, except you be born again, you'll not even see the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Nicodemus had all kinds of questions. But he said, Nicodemus, you have to be born again first. Once you get born again, all those questions will dissolve away. Once the Spirit of God comes in, He's going to give you an assurance of what you did. Will you trust Christ as your personal Savior this morning? Will you say yes to Jesus? You may have been raised in church and heard this a hundred thousand times, but today's the day. Today's the day. Father, we pray that you'd just go up and down these pews and through this audio, through this video, wherever it goes. And if there's some out there without Jesus today, they'd say, yes, today's the day I'm going to trust him. You come in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing two verses at least, Justin. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.